this is what I want you to do. Um, and I think that we all can agree that there are some things that, that, that we have a, something called a healthy fear. Um, things that we should relish, things that we should be afraid of. And there are some things that we call an unhealthy fear. So this morning, what I believe that God is having me to share with you, and, I, and he wants all of us to listen, because, see, God, with me, this is how he does things. Everything, anytime that I minister or talk to someone, it's literally things that he's already dealt with me about or dealing with me about. So it's not like I'm preaching or talking to you, because remember, we said when I preach it this morning, and I know it's, that's shaking some of you guys up, because you're so used to coming and listening to Pastor Adam preach, and you sit there, and you sleep, you play on your phones, you do whatever. <laughs> but this morning, we're not doing that. So we, we're going to talk. We're having a conversation, okay? So what, what I want you, what I would like for you to do, um, we're going to talk this morning about fear. Um, we're talking about things that we are afraid of, fear that sometimes paralyzes us to the point that we don't even move. We're afraid to move. So I want everybody to say, I'm afraid of. Okay, now you should have a piece of paper there. And on that um, piece, that paper, and if you don't, if you don't have a pa- paper and pen, that's fine. That's cool. Everybody got a phone. Start texting. You can text it to yourself or you can put in your notes. It doesn't matter. If you have, you can write on the back of somebody's sh- uh, shirt or jacket. Just make some notes. Okay, just, just make some notes. I want you to, if you have five, list five. But if not, that's okay. But I want you to list five things. And, that, and as we're praying, I, I literally want you to be serious about this. List five things that really you're afraid of. You're afraid of. So we're talking about I'm afraid of. Now, we've all heard the statement, I'm afraid of, and maybe sometimes we've even made that statement, I'm afraid of. And basically what we're saying is I, my, I have a feeling of I'm, I'm fearful Fearful, it's anxiety, I'm frightened about something, someone, a situation, a circumstance, whatever it may be. I'm, and I'm going to play on words, just do a little play on words here, but and here I'm going to say, I'm afraid that most, if not all of us, are walking in fear rather than faith in a lot of areas of our lives. So, And I truly, truly believe God wants to help and meet us right in the middle of our fears. So let's see. And fear, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus constantly said that in the New Testament. Even in the Old Testament, you see that. Don't be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be. So I believe that God wants to meet us right there. Wherever those five things are right there, I believe that he wants to help us in our fears, in our, the things that we're afraid of. Now, how many believe, and I, I don't have my Bible, but if you have your phone or Bible, how many believe that the word of God is true? Uh, Jason, put 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 up, because I want to start with this. We want to do, build some uh, foundation here real quick. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says all scripture. And what we're going to do, this is another thing, participation. You know, a lot of times pastor ads say, well, let's read. Everybody read with me. And then you only hear pastor read. 
And I realize maybe some don't read as well as others. That's fine. But what I will say, if God has given you the ability to read, he's given you eyesight and eyes to use, I'm just going to ask you to read along with me. And if you don't know all the words, just say the words that you know. And that's fine. God will meet us right where we are. Amen? And see, that's the good thing about the Word of God and the Scripture. You, you don't have to be the smartest person on earth to understand what God is done, doing because he didn't, his Word is not like a textbook. Some of you guys did really well in college and high school and on and on, and some did not. But the Word of God is t- to the point that he will, the Holy Spirit has to give you revelation and understanding of the Word of God. So let's read um, 2 Timothy 3, 6. Uh, 3, 16, and 17 says what? All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And if, prof- there you go, for, do- for, for what? For what? In righteousness. That the what? Unto all good works. Jason, would you put that in the uh, NLT for me? And, and this says the same thing. Basically, all the scripture was given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it's given to give us instructions and to correction. And to, so let's go. Re- let's read again. Everybody, let's read. Ready to go? It's inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teach us to do what is right. God uses it, uses what? His word uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Okay, so we're getting ready to read some scriptures here. And as we're reading this, keep that in mind that all the scriptures that we're reading wasn't just for Old Testament, New Testament, it's for us now. And one of the things that I, I really believe that, that God is trying to say this morning is you cannot separate who you are on Sunday uh, from who you are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It, it goes hand in hand. And that's what some of us try to do. It's like I'm a Christian and I come and do this, but then on these other days, I do me or I do life the way I want to do it. So that's why I want to start there because as we're reading this, you have to understand, we have to understand this is God talking to us. All right, let's go. So what we're going to do is we're going to look and see what does the scripture say about fear. It's two passages of scriptures that I want to just spend some time with, say a couple of things. Um, we're not going to be long. That's the last famous word of a whole lot of people. Um, but we're just going to see what the Holy Spirit has. So stick with me. Let's turn first to Matthew, the eighth chapter, verses 23 through 27. And we're going to read out of the NLT. I think that's the version I want. And, and again, I want you to, to read this with me now. Let me kind of set this up uh, for you before we go. This is um, Matthew. He's writing. Matthew actually was a Jewish tax collector. And he was actually one of the 12 disciples that Jesus Christ had with him. And when God, when Jesus called him, he responded immediately to the call. Decide, and, and, you know, he was a tax collector, but he was also a fisherman of men. And why do I say that? Because Matthew was one who invited people into his home to teach them about what he had learned. Now, I'm going to put a pin right there just for a second. As we're going through this, we're talking about Matthew. We're going to talk about the disciples most of all. I want you to start thinking, what is it can I glean 
from their life or what can I do that they did? What did they do I don't need to do? So one of the things that I want to mention here is they are fishermen. God is, Jesus is teaching them and preparing them to do a great work so that the kingdom of God can continue to grow. So he's not just wasting time like some of us. And what I really want to just really, I I say, I I believe the Holy Spirit really want us to, to understand is, guys, we don't have time to waste. You get me? We don't have time to waste. So if we're sitting here, if I'm standing here just doing life the same way I've been doing it all my life and not allowing the Word of God to govern my life, I have to say, what is it I'm doing? So let's keep rolling. Okay, so Matthew is a Jewish tax selector. He's one of the 12 disciples. He responded to Jesus uh, immediately. He invited friends over to his home to meet Jesus. And when he wrote, he wrote to prove that Jesus is the Messiah and that he's the eternal king. So that's, and, and what he does here in what we're getting ready to read, Matthew shows Jesus' authority by recording some of the things he did. Now, I'm, I want you to hear this. Because you have to understand the background before you can understand what, what happened to these disciples over here, these 12. But you're going to see that the same thing that happened to them happened to us as well. So the 12 disciples, um, uh, Matthew writes that he, he shows uh, Jesus' authority by showing some of the miracles he did, like healing the man for leprosy. He, um, he also healed Peter's uh, mother-in-law. And then he also started, he, was, he, he was sending demons into a herd of pigs. Now, that's just a few. Matthew recorded a whole, whole lot. But on the heels of this, Jesus had done all these miracles, and now he's getting ready. He and the boys, I'm calling the disciples boys, the guys, the disciples, are getting ready to go to the other side. So let's read. Ready? We're going to read 23 through 27. Let's read together, please. Jesus with his disciples with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save me. We're going to drown. You see how I put that, Lord, save me. Here we go. Let's read. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Last verse. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. Okay, so this is where we're going. I'm not, I don't, we, so that's Matthew's uh, encounter of this activity. Let's see what Mark says. Okay, now Mark is not one of the uh, 12 disciples, but what he did is he accomplished uh, Paul on his first missionary journey. And he wrote to present, what he, when he wrote, he wrote to present uh, Jesus as the person. Uh, he wrote about Jesus' work. He wrote about Jesus' teaching. And he wrote to record some of the same um, miracles that uh, Matthew wrote and recorded. But he recorded some, uh, some more. He, he recorded, recorded about the parables uh, of the sower. He illust- did the illustration of the mustard seed. He called it casting out demons. He showed Jesus doing that. He showed Jesus raising uh, a man's daughter from the dead. 
Now, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because I want you to get this. These guys, with the exception of Mark, he was one of the disciples, but he, I mean, not one of the disciples, but he knew about it. But Matthew, they recorded these guys that had been with Jesus. They saw how awesome he was. Man, he was awesome. But, everybody say but. but. Okay, here we go. Let's read Matthew um, uh, 4, 35 and 41. Let's go. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although their boats, other boats followed, correct. But soon a fierce storm came up. High winds were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion or a pillow. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Sudden the wind stopped, and there was a calm. Let's read. Keep going. Then he answered them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Mm, last verse. Cyprus were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Wind and waves obey him. Now, there's some words here. Suddenly amazed, terrified. Uh, immediately, there's some words, some adverbs here that describe what's going on. So let's let's look at something. We're going to actually try to put these two scriptures together, passages of scripture together, because they give the same account, but one gives a little more details than the other one in certain instances of this um, event. Now, both of the writers, both Matthew and Mark, give the account of Jesus calming the storms. And let's just look at what they did. So the first thing, let's go back to um, the verse 23, and it doesn't matter um, which one you get. Let's do Matthew first. Um, I want you to write down somewhere on your paper, in your phone, the boat. They got into the boat. The disciples, remember I told you, they, they just had been around, they had been ministering. They would, see, I think sometimes we think Jesus was just walking around with sandals on and, and just saying hallelujah and, and not doing things. He had a mission. He was on a mission. So they got in the boat, and the boat used there here was probably the same kind of, that uh, most of the fishermen actually used. Usually there were, uh, on the Sea of Galilee, there was normally about 300 fishing um, boats there at one time. It could be up to there. But the boat that Jesus was on was large enough to hold him and the 12 disciples. And it probably was powered by oars or sails. It wasn't like they had motors then. The motors were this. Um, And so during this storm, Sometimes when storms came, they were asked to pull the sails down so that they would not rip and they could actually they would help to um, manage or control the boat a little easier. Now, let's look at the, the boat um, for a second. I told you to write down boat. When, when God started dealing with me on this, I saw the boat, the boat as something, a, a safety net. 
I, I saw this as a place that the disciples were comfortable. I saw the boat as a place that they uh, were safe. It was a familiar place. Now, why did I say that? Because they were fishermen. They were used to getting on the boat and going out into the sea and fishing and, and traveling. That wasn't something uncommon for them. So we, we see the boat first. Now, after we see the boat, I want you to write down the other side. Now, the reason I kind of like Matthew and, and Luke here, because one, Matthew said that they started across the lake with his disciples, talking about Jesus. Mark says that uh, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, how do I know Jesus said it? Because I, I, I'm really deep in spiritual. How do you think I know that? It's in the red. That's it. I, I just know colors. It's not that I'm that deep. I just, I just know colors. If you got a, a book, it's the it's, Bible, it's in the red. But Jesus said, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And, and there was something here. And like I said, I like Mark's version here because it makes me think a little deeper here. Now, let's say, instead of saying the boat, let's say now this is a place of safety. The boat is. Now, this, this is a place where I'm comfortable. That's where the boat is. Uh, this is a place uh, that I know that's what the boat is. But this is what's going on with the boat. Jesus said, now, guys, I want you to get in the boat, and I, we're going to cross over to the other side. Now, since the boat was with them, they had the word of Jesus that he had given, said, let's go to the other side, you would think that would be enough. You would think it would be enough because you have, you've got to start thinking that just the process of elimination. If something happened and Jesus don't get there, if I don't get there, Jesus won't either because we're all in the same boat. So, I, you know, that's what I would think. But let's see, would I? I don't know. Let's see. Now, what God didn't do here, and I, in both passages as I studied, what I saw God did not do, he did not tell them what would happen from the time they got in that boat until they got to the other side. He didn't tell them that. But what he did give them and what he did do is he let them know that what he had given them, the boat his word and himself was enough to get them to the other side. Now, some of y'all, you got to get this. That has to be established first that the boat, the word of God, and Jesus is enough to get me to the other side where he say I'm going. But let's keep going because that's just the beginning of the story. Remember I told you those words that stuck out to me suddenly, immediately. When they got in the boat, something happened. The scripture says suddenly or immediately a fierce storm started. And it said, one version said that the storm, it attacked the lake of the sea. Now, here we go. Dog, I got, I, I'm in the boat. I got a word. I even got Jesus, King Jesus. I got him. And I'm not, I'm not going anywhere without him. So I, I got him. I got him. So you would think 
that when this fierce storm, and keep in mind, it didn't just say a storm, it said a fierce storm, not just a regular storm, this storm, both Matthew and Mark said fierce, meaning it was powerful, it was strong, it was violent, and it was forceful. Think about that. Powerful, strong, violent, and forceful is what they encounter. But they got the boat, they got the word, and they got Jesus. But now we got this fierce storm that's brewing, and they're in this boat. Now the boat, the word of God, and Jesus, I would think it should be enough. Now, we're going to talk about the disciples first because, of course, you know, it's enough for us. King Jesus, hey, I don't need nothing else. I got King Jesus. Yes, I do. But let's keep going. It said the storm was fierce. Both writers, like I said a minute ago, said soon and almost immediately when they started out on this journey, they were struck with a storm. This storm, and I, I, I want to paint this picture because this storm was literally all around them. Imagine, and I don't know whether or not anyone has really been in a, a hurricane or a tornado or a tsunami or uh, anything, but you think about over 20 feet of waves coming in, and you're in this boat. Think about how fearful you would be. They're in the boat, what strong winds. You got the waves, everything I'm standing on is waving. You got the wind going, about to knock the boat over. You got all of this. Everything they thought that could save them, they realized that they didn't have. The boat, the word, and Jesus, they started wondering where is all of this. Now, they knew where the boat was, but they were like, okay, the word and Jesus, where is Jesus? And we'll talk about Jesus in a minute because we're going to see he was doing something. Um, now, let me give you just a little information about the Sea of Galilee so you can move along with me. It's, un, it's an unusual body of water. And my study has said it's relatively small, 13 miles long, 7 miles wide. Uh, it's about 150 feet deep, and the shoreline is about 680 feet um, below sea level. And it's actually it's surrounded, it's surrounded with uh, hills and mountains. So it, was, it wasn't unusual for a storm to kind of sneak up on you uh, in a fierce storm just because of the location of, of um, the Sea of Galilee. Winds blowing across the land intensified and you know, they were violent storms, they were unexpected storms, and now these disciples, who are fishermen, have spent these guys, and I, I want to give this information, these were fishermen, they had spent their lives fishing on huge lakes. They had seen storms before, but it was something about this storm that they panicked. And I want to put a pin there just for a second. Because when I started looking at all this, I started thinking about us as believers in life. We believe God. We have the word of God. We believe in Jesus. But then when the storms of life hit, what do we do? Let's keep moving. Because you're going to see 
that even though, and the thing that I, I really want to emphasize, the, re the reason I spent time at the beginning is because these disciples saw firsthand what Jesus had done. And I know I want to say within myself, if I had seen Jesus do all this, there's no way I would doubt. But I'm afraid that I will be in the same boat with the disciples. So let's keep moving. The disciples, like I said, they were fishermen. They spent their life uh, fishing, but there was something about the storm that they panicked. The disciples, another thing I want to mention, that they did not foolishly step out in the storm. But they had literally been caught without warning, and their danger was great. Now, I want to stop here for a second because there are times in our life that storms, we will encounter storms. And I'm, gonna I'm just going to be honest. It's going to be either three things about these storms. You either coming out, going in, you in a storm, or you coming out. That's just the way life is. So if you happen to not be in one now, you better gird yourself up with the word of God so that when it comes, you will know what to stand on, all of us. So let's keep going. Um, many times, like I said, the storms we encounter catch us by surprise without warning. That's just life. But I do have a question. Again, this is the, um, the class again. The question is, do you think that Jesus knew that the storm was going to happen? Now, you think about that, because it's easy to say that when we're looking at these boys. But, but what about in your life and in my life? Do we think that he knows what we're going through? And we have the audacity sometimes to think nobody knows, nobody cares, nobody understands. That's why sometimes you need to go back and read the book of Job, because God had a way of putting Job in his place. Say, listen, you can do all that, but let me tell you who I am. Who hung the sun and the moon? Who created the earth? Job, what did you do? So sometimes we have a tendency to forget, but I just believe that God just wants us to remember what he, how strong and powerful he is. So the answer is yes. Of course he knew. Nothing catches God by surprise. Absolutely nothing. God also knows if he tells or gives us the direction, the details as of what's going to happen to us, if he gives us all the details, he knows that most of us, if not all of us, would never fulfill his purpose here on earth in our lives. That's why he didn't tell us. We wouldn't do it. I'm telling you, we wouldn't do it. And if you want to be honest with yourself, you need to tell yourself, God, I wouldn't do it. If you told me everything that has happened in my life, what I'm going through right now and what I'm, what's going to happen, if you gave me all the details of every little thing that was going to happen, all the loss, all the hurt, all the pain that was going to happen, I wouldn't go. I get to a point where I'm comfortable and I'll stay there. And that's what happens a lot of us. We want to stay just in the boat. So he knows, so he didn't tell us. So I, I really believe, I, I put down here in my notes, I believe God deals with us on a need-to-know basis. Yeah. He'll tell you as you need to know. If he hadn't told you, you would need to know it. That's what he does. Because it's not a surprise. Okay, so let's get back to the, bait, uh, the boat, um, lest we get sidetracked. 
um, ways. We, we talked about, if you looked in the scripture, Jay put up, uh, let's do, let's do uh, Mark. Let's do the Mark version. It says in verses, um, let's see, 20, no, 36. Let's, let's cross to the other side. So Jesus took, uh, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out. Yeah, leaving the crowds behind, although uh, other boats followed. The next verse. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it uh, began to fill with water. Let's stick there just for a second. So what's going on? The storm came. Two things that affected more than two, but two things that, that, that stood out to me that this storm did. It affected the waves and the wind. Um, the waves, as I said, are passing through the waters. The bottom is your foundation, circular motion. You can't get your grip. You, if you ever been on a wave, I don't know how. Do we, do we have any surfers in here? Anybody surf? Nobody. Um, okay, surf. Okay, no. Okay, that's fine. I do. I get in the tub every day and I surf. I, just like this, <laughs> I, I surf. Um, but if, if you ever surf, you see anyone, you, they need waves. They need big waves in order to move. It, it gives them um, the ability to do what they do when they surf. But also wind. You see wind here that it begin to um, cause the boat to capsize. So this is, Jay, go ahead and put that picture up for me, please. I, I want you to get this. You're in this boat because when we read scripture, sometimes it doesn't become real to us because we think it's funny. I mean, not funny, but we don't, we, we think, oh, that was then. But I want you to understand, and I'm not saying this was a pitch, this was the boat. I found this boat on the internet, and I just told you, and it was capsized. When I, I did a search for capsized, and this one came up. I don't want you to think I'm that spiritual. That's what happened, okay? But I want to look at something where it says capsized so that we can understand. And maybe I should have put a modern boat up there. But I want you to realize they didn't have cover. They didn't have anything. The winds and the waves, it, they were violent. And they were on a, open, they were on a boat. And they said, the scripture said it cap, basically capsized. What I mean by that, it, the, the, the scripture talks about the water began to come in and fill the boat. To the point, they asked the question, um, pull up, let's see, what um, verse was there? They asked what they're going to drown. Look at, uh, let's go back to Matthew, and we're going to kind of go on Jason between Matthew and Mark a whole lot. Matthew, the, um, the, 24th chap- the 25th verse, 8th chapter, 25th. The disciples went and woke uh, him up, talking about Jesus, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Now, why would you think that they're saying drown? They're saying it because water began to come into the boat. Also, in, in, um, in Mark, let's go to Mark real quick. The um, fourth chapter, um, 37th verse, it says, um, one part, the high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water, meaning the boat began to fill with water. Water was coming in. Put that picture back up for me, Jay, please. They began to, the boat began to have water in it. Now, you can't tell me that if you're in a boat, you got waves, you got wind, you got a storm coming. Water has, the boat began to capsize. Water is coming in. But you got the boat, you got Jesus, and you got the word. Mm. Now, what's we going to do? Because is that going to be enough for this? 
And that's what God is trying to get you, get all of us to understand. Some of us feel like we're in that boat. That water is coming in, that you are about to drown. And you think Jesus is sleeping. You think he's sleeping. Because after all, he doesn't understand what I'm going through. And guys, I'm telling you, all of us, and we're talking about the disciples, but we're going to, by the time we get finished with this, you're going to realize we're not talking about the disciples. (laughs) Because remember, I started this off by saying any time, almost every time, God had had missed it that many times that when he, when he allowed me to minister, it's something he's always dealt with me about personally before I share with you. So it's not that I'm talking to you, but yes, God is talking to you. Yeah, he is. Because he needs you to understand. He needs all of us to understand that the boat, the word of God and Jesus is enough for this storm. It is enough. Now, but when the, uh, the disciples, they're in this boat and they panic. They panic to the point that they went, they, they had enough sense to call for Jesus. <laughs> they, 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 they had enough sense to do that. But they said, Jesus, and the, the scripture, both of them said they shouted. So it wasn't like, hey, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, I don't want to disturb you. No, they can. Jesus, hey, do you care? We're about to drown. We, 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 it's over. And that's how some of us feel like our life is over. Can I go on? Can I make it? Whatever it is, I, I don't care what it is, but the, whatever those fears that you wrote down, those five things, if you wrote them, and I pray that you did. I really pray that you did because I want you to understand and God wants us to understand that he is enough. He is enough. And then this is what he says. Let's go on and see what he says. They they thought that they were going to die. But look at Matthew 8, uh, 8 chapter verse 26. And guys, I'm telling you, I just, um, Jesus is, he, he, he's bad. The disciples were afraid. They panicked. They forgot about Jesus and the word, and they forgot about they was going to get on the other side. Because right now when that boat, think about it. Did that boat look like it was going to the other side? No. No, it didn't. And that's what happens a lot of times in our lives when we get distracted, when things happen, when storms come. I'm talking about real life. Now, we can sit up and look pretty all we want, and we can talk the church talk. Yes, I'm good, and God bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that. But there are times storms come. Yeah, they come. And they are real. And that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. These are real storms. And what do you do in a real storm? So let's keep going because Jesus does something like he always does. Yeah, he was asleep, but he knew that he knew, he knew it. And I, this is your nugget, another nugget. Write it down, text it or whatever you're going to do. Faith will drown, uh, fear will drown faith. Fear will drown faith. But I also want you to write under that, faith will drown fear. They both can't be there. Either we're fearful and we need to admit it 
ask God to help us through it, or we're going to walk by faith and believe God and his word in the middle of the storm. See, some of us think that God didn't care. What I'm trying to get you to understand is God cares about you. Everybody got storms. Yes, they do. But he cares. Jesus wasn't worried. The reason he can sleep because he wasn't worried. There's times, sometimes we need to go to sleep because Jesus got it. There, this time, it's because, you know, he could, again, he was walking, he could, he may have been tired. Because remember, this came on the heels of him doing all this ministry. And he was human just like we were, so he got tired just like everybody else. So what Jesus does is he, first of all, he wasn't worried about the storm. How do I know he wasn't worried? Because he was asleep. And then one version, who was it? Um, it was the Mark. He said not only was he asleep, he said he was asleep with his head on a pillow or a cushion. That means he was getting some good sleep. It wasn't that he was just laying out. Now he was asleep. And the scripture say he was, he was asleep with his head on a cushion or a pillow. And the disciples went and they woke him up and they were shouting. And then this is the thing that, that I like about Jesus. Jesus knew the storm was coming, and he knew what to do in the storm. Now, this is what I want to tell you. I said this a minute ago. There are some things you're not going to know. God's not going to tell us. But you can be assured, assured and we can, I can be assured that whatever the storm is, that Jesus already knows that it's coming. And I can also be assured to know that Jesus knows what to do in the storm. Y'all got me? So let's keep going. And I believe this, and this was on uh, your note. I believe every storm that God allows us to go through does three things. Jay, let's go with this. Every storm, every storm that God allows us to go through, because this is the thing, he controls the storm. Every storm he allows us to do one, God shows us who he is. That's what a lot of times he's trying to do in the storm. He's trying to show us that he's more, he's bigger than the storm that we see. Our eyes get to the, our eyes, our physical eyes, emotions and feelings get caught up in the now and the reality, which is part, it's real. You can't deny it. But what God is trying to show us is that he is bigger, he's greater than just the now and what you see. So he, he shows us how great he is. So that's number one. Number two, God, a storm also shows us who we are. Because see, this is the thing. You can fake all you want to. You can preach. We can sing. We can teach. We can do all this stuff. But when the storm of life hits, it shows us who we are. Yes, it does. Now, I can tell you all day long, I can swim like a fish. Oh, yeah, I know how to do it. And I can do the backstroke. I can do all that. Put me in water and see what I can do. Now, I can do enough to, to not drown now because I took swimming lesson. But if you and I both go in and you can't swim, I'm saving myself. <laughs> that's all I can do. And that's what Storm does. It shows us who he is. It shows us who we are, and it shows us what we really believe. Now, see, this is the thing. We can fake it all day long. I'm telling you, you can fake it, and you can sound good, and we can sound good, but a storm is going to show 
who God is, it's going to show who we are, and it's going to show what we believe. It's going to do it. So, as, and that's what it showed even to, that's what Jesus said. So, why do I say this? Because Jesus knows that fear is opposite of faith. And now, why is that important? Let's quickly go, go to Hebrews 11 uh, and 6. And there's a scripture here over in Hebrews. And I, I'm going to put this plug in, and, and we're almost at the end. And it's not because we got good participation with the, um, the attendance for the book of Hebrews. But I'm going to tell you this. For those of you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag about it, I'm going to boast about it, because it is the truth. For those of you who missed the study of Hebrews, you missed the study. Because a lot of the things that you're going through, that you're facing, that you're dealing with, Hebrews deal with it. And now we're still struggling on some things, and the Word of God is right there. And that's what God is trying to show us, that some of the stuff that we're still in, we're dealing with, is because we won't apply the Word of God to our situation. So let's see, this is what the Scripture said, because faith and fear don't, can't abide. They cannot abide in the same household. It says, it, let's read, ready, go. It, uh, 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 come on, everybody read together, please. Ready, go. To please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek, I mean, seek, uh, seek, <laughs> sincerely seek him. Put the KJV version for me, um, Jay. And it reads like this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently or sincerely seek him. That, that, so that's what that Jesus is actually putting a picture here. He's saying, listen, guys, you fear. If you fear, you don't have faith. Now, why do I say that again? He's op- Some of us are operating and walking around in fear then if we're doing that, we can't be operating and walking in faith. Um, three things here. In uh, those three things that I gave you about um, God shows us who he is, shows us uh, who we are and what we really believe. Let me show you where that comes out. Look at um, Matthew, uh, the 8th chapter, verse 26. This is where, when they came and woke Jesus up, this is what he did. And they told him, they said, Jesus, we're going to drown. This is what Jesus did. He said... And Matthew said it, and also Mark said it. He said, um, Jesus responded. This, is what his, this was his answer. This is not me talking. So that's why I started this by saying, do we believe the word of God? Because if we believe the word of God, you know that this is not me saying what I want to say. That's why I started with that. Because if you don't, you're going to hear me and think, okay, well, that's me saying it. I started by saying, if we believe the word of God is true, we, if we, believe, we got to believe it all. We just can't believe parts of it. So let's read. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Uh, go to um, Mark, that, that same set of uh, scriptures, um, chapter 4, and look at verse 39 and 40. He said, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked. The wind and said to the wind, Solomon, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And guys, that's one of the questions that I want to ask you. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid of the things, those five things that you wrote? And we all got them. So I, when I say this, I don't, I'm not saying this like pointing fingers, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, it's a shame. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what I'm trying to say and what God is trying to say is 
He understands your fears and our fears and the things that concern us. He gets it. But just because he understands it, that doesn't mean that that's where he wants us to stay. So let's, let's keep going. So he's asking the question, why are you afraid? And only you can answer that. We have to literally sit down and say, do we believe that Jesus the God or our Father can cover this? Can he really help us with this? I know sometimes we give the church answer, you know, God can do anything and everything and but fail and all that. I, I get that. But do we really have the faith that God wants us to ha- have? Do we really understand that Jesus is in the midst of the storm with us, that Jesus would never leave us nor forsake us? Do we understand that problems occur in every area of our life and when they do, that, that God is there with us, he's not going to leave us? Do we understand that when the disciples were on this, going to the other side, that when Jesus spoke that they were going to the other side, that means that was his word he had given them, that they were actually going to get there? It didn't matter about what storm rose. It didn't matter about what they had to face. It didn't matter what the weather did. It didn't matter how much water came in the boat. If he said they were going to the other side, they going to the other side. Listen, the disciples live with Jesus, and this is the thing I keep wanting to emphasize, and I'm almost done here. The disciples live with Jesus, but they underestimated him. They didn't see that his, the same power that he had um, applied to every situation that they would face. They thought that, actually, I don't know what they thought, but you can tell here that they underestimated him. Jesus had been with people for centuries, even in our own individual lives. And just like the disciples, we underestimate his power. We underestimate his power to handle crises in our lives. We underestimate his power to heal broken hearts. We underestimate his power to get us out of situations that we got into ourselves. We underestimate the power of the cross. We underestimate the the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't understand that when Jesus literally was nailed to the cross, that every sin that we can ever commit or think about, he's already taken care of that. We underestimate that he created us to do good works and not just to come on Sunday and do church the same way we've always been, but he's changing us and he wants to change us, not to be like church number one, two, three, or four, but to be the church that he called us to be. Do we underestimate and do we understand that, that Jesus Christ is powerful and the same power that he spoke to the wave and the wind and told them to be still, that calm came? Who can do that? Tell me who. Who can speak to the wind and the storms and tell them to behave and they do? Nobody but Jesus. And they were amazed. And, and the reason I'm saying they did not know him, because look at the last verse. They didn't know him, and and guys, this is the thing. They had been with him. They had seen all of his works. They seen the miracles they did. I started off by saying this, Mark and, and Matthew recorded. That's why I did it. But we in America, we have been so Americanized that we sometimes limit the power of the Holy Ghost in other countries. In other countries, they believe in the miracles. But our miracle sometimes is just trying to get gas money. And then we're saying it's not a miracle because it could be. I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about can you believe that God can raise up somebody from their sick bed? Yeah. See, we wouldn't. Yeah. 
We would think that they were, they were, not, they were not dead. I'm talking about that's why I said all the, the signs and miracles that were recorded in Scripture because these things are true. And sometimes we read over them, we glance over them and think that he did that in Old Testament, he did it in New Testament, but he can't do it in 2022. Because after all, this is my problem, this is my situation. What's going on is that some of us are still staying in the boat and we don't want it, that we're drowning, but we won't call for help. We won't go and tell Jesus that I need your help. We get ourselves down to the altar, surrender our hearts, surrender our minds, surrender our situation, surrender our family, surrender our children, surrender everything that we're going through and believe that God has the power and the authority to do it. We don't believe that because in America, we, we, can't, we can't even fathom that. And guys, the reason we can't fathom that is because I don't have my Bible, but because of this. Anytime we remove ourselves from the Word of God, I don't care. COVID has changed a lot of things, some good and some not so good. It has. And that's just part of life changing. I mean, if, if you don't like change, you might as well go ahead and just check out now because life, life, it changes. Think about yourself. You change. You're not six months old now. Some are smaller, some are, you know, smaller. Uh, but we're not the same. And God is trying to get us to understand EBC just like the disciples. They witnessed many miracles, but they panicked when the storm came. They were experienced sellers, but yet and still they panicked when the storm came because they did not know that Jesus was the one that controlled nature. And see, that's what the problem is. You think that the storm is coming, but you don't understand that storm can only last as long as God allows it to last. So we can, we can wallow, we can cry, we can hurt, and God is saying, when you get through doing all that, you get up and I'll heal you. Let's keep going. When we, when we often encounter storms in our life where we feel that God can't or won't work, I said that a minute ago, we truly understand, when we truly understand who God is and we realize that he literally controls everything, God didn't create, God, nothing is a surprise. Like I told you about the storm, nothing is a surprise to God. God knew, and this is the thing, God, that I want to leave you with. Jesus is willing to help if you let him. We've heard God... Uh, call a lot of times our name. We know he's calling us. Some of you that are in here are not saved. You know it and God knew it. You haven't accepted Jesus as your personal savior, but because you come into church, you think you're okay. But God is calling you. I don't know where you are, what you're doing, what you're fearful of, but I'm telling you that God is saying that it's not good to ignore him. God has a raiment word for all of us. He has a plan. He has a purpose for us. When storms of life happens in our life, it does not change his plan for us. It doesn't. And God really wants to, uh, us to have an encounter with him. And guys, it's not just about how much information. When we're studying the word of God, it shouldn't be we studying just to know or just to have knowledge. But this, the word should be our life. This is our Christian life. This is who we are. So when we go, leave out of this place today, I think I think it shouldn't be that I'm afraid of. I, this is what I want you to do, and you should have in your notes. 
I want you to put those same things that you listed above, and I want you to say, I'm not afraid of, and I want you to list them. Just list those same, I'm not afraid of. I'm not afraid of. I am not afraid of. I'm not afraid. I'm not fearful. I'm, I don't have, I'm asking God to help me with the anxiety. I'm asking him to help me with the things that I'm afraid of. I'm not, I'm going to speak it. I'm going to say it because I'm telling you there's power in the word of God and there's power in life in God's word. We speak it. We say it. We, call, we literally call those things that are not as though they already are. So you list those five, and this is why. Why can't why I'm not afraid of? Four things, and I'm done. One, because it wasn't that they were just in the boat. I want you to realize Jesus is your boat. He's the one that's carrying. I know you think you're doing it by yourself. Even when you think that you maybe turn your back on him, God has said, I never turn my back on you. God loves you. I want you to know God loves you. I don't care what it look like. I don't care what, the, what storms you've been in. I don't care where you are with your salvation. I'm telling you, God loves you enough that when he died, he's calling you um, to have a personal relationship with him. Number two, God, Jesus controls every situation that have um, a will, I will encounter. Everything that you go through, you need to know that Jesus is in control. He really is. I know it may not, it may seem chaotic and you may even, and you may, you have the right to say, well, you know, God, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. I never thought I would be going through X or whatever it is. I never thought whatever. You have, you have a right to ask. But one of the things I want you to know is Jesus controls every storm that have a, we will encounter. Number three, Jesus gives us the authority and power to speak to every storm. Speak. Call those things that are not as though they are. It may seem foolish to everybody else, but you speak the word of God. Speak. And sometimes we don't speak it because we don't believe it. The last one is storms can only last as long as God allowed them to last. I don't care how long a physical storm may come and go, but a, a spiritual storm, it's up to, and even the physical, I mean, the, um, the physical, physical storm and the spiritual storm, the longevity of it, how long it lasts is based on, on God. If the disciples, uh, I said this earlier, if the disciples had known and really thought about if they didn't make it to the other side, Neither would uh, Jesus have made it. I just don't believe that a storm can kill or take Jesus out. I don't believe it. So this is how we're going to end this. Whatever you are facing right now, and we started by I'm asking you to pray, because I told you this is participation. I, I told Pastor, you know, we, I, I, I've said this before, but I think some people really don't get this from me. And for those who really know me, Know that, know that I, I genuinely mean this. I don't have a lot of time to play. I, I played church for a long time. I'm not in, I'm not, I'm not in the, the business of playing church anymore. I stopped that. And I think one of the things that, that helped me um, is the more I grew and got close to the Lord and, and I really started reading his word and started really believing it. Um, but then also when you, you face a near-death situation, you realize what's important. 
And I know without a shadow of a doubt, I, 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 don't, I don't bite my tongue on this. I tell this pretty much everywhere I go. The reason a lot of times you don't hear me necessarily talk about cancer very much is because God told me one thing very specifically. I remember it just like it was yesterday. After he calmed my storm, because it was a storm for me, but the thing that he told me is, he said, I want you to make my name bigger than anything that you face. And that's what I try to do. I know that cancer is real. I know that a lot of other things are real. And I'm just using that. I'm just telling you about me. Most of you guys have your own stories. You have your own storms. But the only thing that I'm trying to tell you, whatever type of storm that you're in, God is trying to get you to understand that he's trying to show you in the middle of that storm how big he really is. A lot of us have limited God. We can only see what we can see. And God is trying to get you to see past what you can see. But you still got your eyes closed. You won't open them, and he's trying to get you to open them. But the only way that you can truly open them is through the Holy Spirit. It's, it's no shortcut. So if you're sitting here and you don't have a hunger and a desire for the Word of God and your study time, and your study time and your desire, I mean, your study time may be different from everyone else. You may not read a whole chapter or a day or whatever, but you, you put yourself in a situation where you're studying, you have a consistent study time. You also apply and you, you're able to listen. God, I'm, guys, I'm telling you, and I started off by saying that the time is short and I don't have time to, to play. God is looking for people who are serious about the kingdom because Jesus is coming back. And I say this quite often. It would be a shame if you came to EBC or any other church um, or you on, online every Sunday morning and you die and go to hell. Amen. And it also be a shame for us that are saved to know other people that we know are not saved not to share the gospel with. See, sharing, I started off by saying these guys were fishermen. They actually went out, they went with Jesus because they wanted to make disciples. Some of us, uh, even, I, and again, I'm giving this plug to Hebrews. Our pastor didn't say this, I'm saying this. Because it's true, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is anointing me to tell you this. When, when book studies or studies are going on, and at, as a member of any church, it's not even just EBC, it doesn't matter what church you're a part of, and you refuse to participate. Now, at one time it used to be we were on campus, and maybe you couldn't get out or whatever, but now they, we got on, camp, I mean, on campus and hybrid. That's no excuse. It's rebellion. And then you wonder why you're still facing what you're facing. See, you think that God overlooks some of the small things, but it's the small things that gets us tripped up. So God is trying to get us in the position. Now, why is this important? Because there are things that God requires and wants you to do. Nobody can't do it but you. I can't run in your lane. If you know anything about track, you have to stay in your lane. If I get outside of my lane and come push you over, I get disqualified. There's a all of us have a plan. God has a plan and a purpose for all of us. And the only reason, everybody look at me. If you're working on any uh, cameras, uh, guys upstairs, I want you to hear me. The only reason any of us are left here is for his purpose and his plan. That's the only reason. So if we're sitting here and we have our own agenda, our own, is, everything is about what I want, what I want, what I want. I do it when I want to, how I feel. And you all in your feelings, I'm telling you, God's going to wake you up. He's going to wake you up. So I'm just telling you, he's going to wake you up. 
But this is the thing. He's so loving. He's so kind when he do it. He, he just whips you. And he's so loving. It's kind of, you're like, oh, God, Daddy, thank you for whipping me. How do I know? Because I've been there. I've been there. Coming to church, going through the motion, even sometimes teaching when I was playing on the keyboard, keyboard directing the choir, going through the motion. But my desire for God wasn't where it needed to be. And that's just the honest truth. And I don't think that I was by myself then, and I don't think I'm by myself now. And God is trying to get you ready for what is. God wants to do great things at EBC. And I'm telling you that God is he's changing this ministry. Not because of us, not because of him. It's because of him. And I know within, and thank you, Holy Spirit, I know within some people don't like it. But I'm telling you, you're fighting with God. And I've never seen anybody that fight against God win. I haven't. So I'm just telling you, I believe with everything within me that this is a prophetic message for those who have an ear to hear. I'm asking you to hear because I believe that God has said what needs to be said. If you're in this place, and I'm done, if you're in this place, and right now I don't even want any music, no music. I don't want any music. I don't want any distraction because God is trying to do something here. Some of us, that's the problem. We want music. We want something to move us. God said, let his Holy Spirit move you. I, 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 don't, I don't have anything to move you. Only his Holy Spirit can. So this is my appeal. First of all, I mentioned, and I know it's true. I don't know who you are, but I'm saying that I know that God is calling you. You're afraid to accept him as your personal Savior. You've been wrestling with it. You know it. You've ground saved people. You want to look saved. You want to look the part. And sometimes you may not even, even look the part. You may not even be trying to. But there's something that was said today and even throughout your days, even before you got here, God already starts steering and stirring at your heart to, to accept him as your personal Savior. And if you are here, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And that's just simply by saying, if you want to be saved, if you've never asked Jesus Christ and ask him to come into your heart to save you, and you, you never asked him that, and for those who are saved, I'm asking you to pray. And for those who are not saved, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit just tug, keep tugging at your heart. That's the first appeal. The second appeal is this. I know that this message was by accident. I hadn't, I hadn't even planned on ministering um, at all. And then when God did give me something to minister, I got my notes together and left, left them at home. But I knew that what God had given me was down on the inside, so it didn't matter. I didn't really have to have notes to say what he had told me to say because it was him speaking, not me, myself. So I was okay with that. But I know that there's people in here and even online that's afraid. You're afraid. I don't know what the fear is. I don't know what it is. But you're struggling right now, whether it's worry, whether it's anxiety, whether it's you're just, just strictly afraid. And what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask that you would stand because it's going to be a step of faith. I'm going to ask that you would stand and come to the altar and we're going to pray with you. 
And my next um, invitation is this. If you're here and you just need someone to pray and see with you about whatever, it may be that you may be in a situation, you may not be afraid of anything, but you just need prayer. I'm going to ask that you would stand out. It's going to, it's going to be a bold, a bold step right now because nobody ever wants to be the first. But I dare you, if you're sitting here and you need deliverance, just come on up. Don't worry. Don't worry about who's beside you because this has to be something that you're serious about. You got to get tired of just going through the motion. You have to get tired of just playing church. God wants more from you. And the kingdom needs you. And this is not about anything but just trying to be obedient to what God is telling me to do. If you know it's you, don't come because everybody, you come because you want to. And that's what I'm telling you. There are some storms in your life you're going to have to actually see that God is bigger than your storm. He's going to have to show you who he is and that he's going to have to show you what you really believe. And all I'm saying and all God is saying that it is time this day. You didn't come here by just happenstance. You didn't. It just wasn't by happenstance that you came. You had no idea that I was going to minister. You had no idea what was going to be said, too, that you were going to be here. And God is trying to get you to step out and do what he called you to do and to realize that you don't have to be afraid.